everybody, and welcome to Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are diving into Hawkeye with the help of another Maya that is not in the MCU. Uh, Maya, welcome. Yes. <laughs> so happy to have you here. Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. And I know, uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to record that Spider-Man No Way Home uh, episode just due to some scheduling conflicts. So I wanted to start this episode out with getting some of your uh, overall thoughts, initial reactions. How how did that movie play out for you? I know we had our big episode a couple, uh, two episodes ago, but again, wanted to hear your thoughts on it. I adored my favorite movie of the year by far. Um I think that it was just amazing. And I, I'm so happy we both did like rewatches and we were kind of like debriefing some of those rewatches before. Cause I'm like, just the small details and the payoffs the movie like um, tapped into was so great from all the different movies. So I loved it. And I just felt like a lot of people try to go after like the nostalgia play of a movie, but this one just did it effortlessly and everything about it was amazing so yeah that's a that seems to be like a through line I feel like these days where uh and it'll be interesting to see what 2022 holds I know a lot of films kind of got pushed back which kind of stinks like John Wick and Transformers are now all kind of coming out in 2023 but I'm interested Mm -hmm. to just see how movie studios kind of react to this because in this new environment, not a lot of people are going to the movies, but people are also really going to the movies, depending on what that film is. Obviously, yeah. if it's a Marvel film, people are going to show up regardless. But there's also these other movies that have that nostalgia factor. And I, I wonder if studios are going to keep trying to play that. Like, you know, Matrix is a perfect example. I'm sure, you know, the Wachowskis had some plans to make another movie, but it's like, why not make a Matrix movie? Everybody loves the Matrix. And so I'm just curious mm-hmm. to see, like, what other movies they're going to be popping up with that are announced that are specifically for nostalgia to try and feed off of something like this, which is not a good idea. I think in my opinion, just because, you know, there's certain movies like Spider-Man where you've got 20 years of nostalgia and all of these films that again, people have been loving, rewatching, hating all this stuff that just kind of fits so perfectly in this. Whereas there's a lot of, uh, and there was a lot of desire there too. Like people were mad about the third movie and saying like, I wish, wish it wouldn't have been this way. And then a new Spider-Man came out. And then it was like, why didn't Toby, you know, Andrew didn't get a third movie. Like, oh, that last movie. So there's a lot of desire for Spider-Man versus like, the example I always use is West Side Story. Like no one wanted that. No one asked for a West Side Story. Honestly, no one was asking for a Matrix movie either. And so it's just like, what, what are they going to try next? Because they, they're trying to test the waters. And it's just, it's really interesting to see because I honestly would really hate if the only movies that come out in the future are nostalgia movies, because then it's like, where's all the original content? Exactly. And, I, and the, have you seen the new Ghostbusters? Mm-mm. Really? And I'm, that I don't was want to. Another one. Like, I don't, I don't care enough. That was, um, that, that was the one was I, when that one was coming and I heard a ton of people getting buzz about it. And I was just like, I don't care. I was like, I, I didn't need the 2016 Ghostbusters. I, I kind of enjoyed it. It had some funny moments, but mm-hmm. it just, I was like, we didn't need this. And then they, they announced this and I was like, who was asking for this? I mean, there's obviously, there's always diehard fans, but right. overall it's just like, and, and all of the reviews were like, if you're a fan of Ghostbusters, you are going to love this movie. Like it is fan service to the tens. And it's like, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I get that with certain films like Avengers Endgame is a perfect example of how you do it well because you built to it. Whereas these are just like, oh, we're going to come out of the woodworks and make this movie and throw in some things from the old movies and people are going to love it. And it's like, mm-hmm. I just don't think that's a sustainable business strategy. I don't, not at all. And it's just like, it's almost like the industry for like a lot of new and original content, they're taking that to series and for a lot of films that are being greenlit or the things that happen in nostalgia, people who used to always go back to the theater to watch. So I don't know if it's like this post-pandemic world, they're trying to see like who will actually go to the theater for things. But it, like you said, it's kind of, it's starting to get a little annoying where, you know, every trailer is a reboot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a huge difference when you look at this Spider-Man movie versus West Side Story of the the okay. true difference between a reboot and a, a, or a sequel and a remake to where mm-hmm. it's like people want continuations of their stories. And so regardless of what they choose, like if you're going, oh, I'm going to reboot the Matrix universe, it's like that's not going to be a successful movie unless it's a very unique idea because there's so much history there. And so when you choose to do that, to make a brand new thing based off of it, like West side story, you're taking a huge risk. Whereas, you know, like a Marvel movie, like Spider-Man kind of getting all these villains to come in and all of that, like you're honoring the old movie. So it's just, there's, there's a lot of tight ropes being walked. And uh, I really hope they analyze the box office data because I just can't believe the money that Spider-Man is making. Like it already cracked a billion dollars and I didn't think that would happen. And here it is like a week and a half later and it did it. And no other movie has done that so far in the pandemic. So I hope they look at that to see who's going to that movie. Did people go repeat times? I would hope in 2021 or 2022, the data is there to be able to analyze it that way to say, oh, you know, this person went X amount of times or because you could see there's definitely a bigger fan base for Spider-Man than even Shang-Chi, The Eternals, any of those other movies. They didn't post the same numbers. So there's there are Marvel fans, but then there's also Spider-Man fans as well that Mm -hmm. clearly didn't go to some of these other movies. It's, It's a very interesting, very interesting time to be a movie fan. For sure. And it just speaks so much to the how perfectly executed this film was, because, yeah, like you said, those numbers are it's an anomaly almost. It really is. So uh, besides movies, though, we uh, we're here to talk about uh, what I would argue and I always have argued is another movie. It's just a longer movie that's broken up into six (laughs) episodes on Disney Plus, which is Hawkeye. And I am super excited to talk about Hawkeye with you. Uh, right before recording, I was going to start on this, but I was going to say I I wasn't as outspoken for Hawkeye as many of the other series were. And I don't really know the answer as to why. I wonder if it's uh, superhero fatigue. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. it because when I watch the show, I love it. This is, I love the show. It's great. But it's just mm-hmm. this, this thing where I remember, and I'm sure you do too, like Falcon the Winter Soldier, WandaVision, Loki. It was like the show came out immediately watch it you watched it again later that night and then I felt like maybe a day later I watched it again and I just and and I was you know back then I was doing the episodes for every single episode versus the entire show there's just a there was a lot I think and it, it was almost maybe more mental exhaustion on my end with everything that's just going on in my life to say I'm not going to do each episode and I don't know if that translated to the show because each episode I would watch it the morning that it came out and then I didn't watch it again like I didn't re-watch it I didn't do second Mm -hmm. re-watches but after the entire show finished I did go back and re-watch it again I watched it with my cousin and it played really well Um, there's still some issues that we'll talk about that I had with it but it was just interesting so uh, you know as we start with this 
Uh, and I'll preview for the listeners too. So we're going to be going over, we'll go over all our overall thoughts. Uh, and then we're going to go into some character breakdowns, talk about, you know, who we liked, who we didn't like, uh, our favorite moments, uh, as many of those as we've got, and then any issues that we had, and then kind of talk about what's next in the MCU after Hawkeye. And then we're going to finish this off, dear listeners, with our MCU rankings for 2021 of all of the shows and movies uh, combined. Uh, This was not an easy task, but um, as Frodo would say, it is done and uh, I'm ready to share it. But so, you know, in terms of overall thoughts, what what, did you kind of have that same experience as I did uh, or were you watching it a bunch? I would say there were certain episodes that I was watching, like episode three. I rewatched that probably about six times because I really enjoyed that episode. Um, And then for, I watched the finale a few times too, Um, but I kind of similar, like I would just watch it once and be like, okay. Um, There's some instances where I go back and watch like a clip when someone like, oh, they use the music here, or I guess I didn't pick up the Vormir music when that guy, like, so go back and watch certain things and say, like learn more information. Um, but I felt like I didn't necessarily feel the need to. So I'm a little bit in the same boat too. But that that episode three really just had a hold on me because I watched that all the time. Yeah, that's my favorite episode of the of the series too. Is that or is that your favorite episode? Yes, without yeah, a yeah. doubt. <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird when I was doing the rewatch. And um, so and I guess that's how we can start with these overall thoughts. So like I said, I, I love the show. I'm a I, I, Hawkeye's never been my favorite character. Uh, comics or movies and when he kind of had his piece in age of ultron there was a part of me that was like they could actually make him really interesting and it was around that time it may have been a few years before that matt fractions hawkeye run came out and that was the first time that i truly liked hawkeye like when i was reading that series i loved it it was so good and so you know when i it was either when i was reading it or after i was like this is what you marvel needs to do they need to do this hawkeye series and so when they announced that they were doing this hawkeye series i was like this is going to be great this is going to be awesome but i just wonder if it was maybe the the whole hawkeye of it all to where it's like there's not a lot in this show in terms of you know there's no world ending event there's no ripping open of the timeline or you know cause for us to discuss for 10 hours as to what's going to happen next in the mcu it's a very straightforward street level story and i think maybe that's part of it because i know when it premiered the first two episodes came out and i was in texas at the time and my mom and i watched it and we both were like this show is really good. And she was like, I think this is my favorite Marvel show, but then we never watched it again. And I was just like, I guess that's how it was is when you watch like syndicated TV too, of like, you can be watching a show that's really good, but you don't need to rewatch it again because you kind of got the picture, right? Like there's no secret thing that you missed. Like when you watch those first two episodes, you get the gist of it. You know, Kate is going to become Hawkeye. You know, you kind of see it all play out. Mm-hmm. really quickly and so you don't need to rewatch it a lot but that doesn't mean it's bad because it still is a very fast-paced short contained story that uh had a lot of emotion in a lot of different spots so i'm i'm really happy about it uh i wouldn't i mean there's nothing really that i would change if i was the one in charge i mean i guess if i was i do have a few things we'll talk about but uh <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> just a but you know nothing that again made me go this was a bad show I Mm -hmm. even after the end of it I was just like honestly this was the one of the first times where I was like I wanted more at the end of the show and it was it was because at the end of the show we didn't get any more and I know that makes me sound like a spoiled Marvel fan but 
Uh, and, and for that, now I will say to anyone who has not finished the series, go ahead and do so. We are going to be talking full spoilers on here. So first things first with that, I just skipping to the end, I guess you could say I was, I don't know why I get why they played that, the, uh, the dance number for, uh, the Rogers, the musical. And I mm-hmm. get too, that it's like, they'll never have an opportunity like this again. Right. Like right. there's never going to be another musical in a Marvel movie. And it, it could only have been done on TV sort of thing. But I was one of those people where I didn't need that at all. And when I was watching it with my mom, she, cause they were out the week of uh, the final episode. So her and I watched it and she was like, uh, they're going to make us watch this whole, this whole <laughs> thing. And I was like, I know, I know. And then I was like, I'm so, I felt myself apologizing to her on behalf of Marvel, but I'm sure there's a ton of people out there that loved it. Yeah, I'm sure too. And at first it was like a tease because I remember like wanting when they first showed it in what episode one, mm-hmm. um, like, oh man, like it's going to be really cool if we see other heroes watching the show, like kind of having like this retrospect, like how Clint was. And so when they panned out the audience, I'm thinking right. we're going to see the back maybe of Steve's hat, old mm-hmm. man Steve, Joe Biden, <laughs> Steve, whatever, or, you know, maybe someone else, or maybe like a bunch of Avengers sitting in the back watching and like giggling how ridiculous it was. I thought that would have been fun too, like if they still wanted to keep that, because honestly, I wouldn't be surprised after Falcon and Winter Soldier when people were basically demanding a Zemo cut of him dancing. Oh, right, right, right. Like, oh, wow, people really want like extended versions of some of these moments. So, but I was expecting a little bit more too. So I'm in the same boat there because so many jumping on points from the series, especially with Maya Lopez, I would have liked to see like maybe where we see her next. We maybe see something clearly with Kingpin not being dead because, come on, really? We're not that dumb. Yeah. (laughs) There's so many different things. But like you said, I don't want to be spoiled about it, but I do feel like there could have been opportunity for a better post-credit scene. Well, I would, you know, and I would almost liken it to um, to the homecoming post-credit scene where steve rogers is just oh yeah like, ah so you got detention where it was like i remember in the theater i was like are you serious this yeah serious? but at the same time when i re-watched it i was like uh, i really like this like this is kind of it's a cool little nod we get to see steve again but th- this thing's like the opposite of that where not only was it something unnecessary but it has no one's in it like yeah. you said like if there had been a superhero watching it like even just as a gag like even if you'd have just seen I don't even know, like a hint of something. It would have been like, oh, okay, this this is pretty cool. But they basically played it to, and the way that I saw it too was I think someone had mentioned in an interview, like, yeah, you know, we we filmed an entire scene of this. And so it was like, uh, I guess it's only a matter of time before that scene comes yeah. out. But kind of like you were saying, put it out on the internet. Put <laughs> it on put YouTube, like they did to Zemo. But at the same time, I appreciate it because when I did my second watch, I didn't even watch it. So I was like, it, it felt nice to watch a Marvel property and not have to watch any post credit scenes in it. Like to that point, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, so with that said, let's dive into some characters. So uh, I will start from the top with Kate Bishop. Uh, I know I'm, I'm excited to talk about Maya as well. I know we were just talking about her, but we'll, we'll start mm-hmm. with Kate. Um, she is the main character of this series. And uh, you find out by the very end of it that technically the show was titled after her the entire time and her kind of earning the Hawkeye name. 
uh, which I loved. I loved that ending of, you know, him saying, I have an idea. And then it just says Hawkeye. And I was like, nice. Yeah. That's the perfect way to do it. But Kate Bishop uh, and, um, oh man, I'm blanking on her name. I shouldn't be. Uh, Kate Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is just transcendent in this role. And she is... Uh, she was also on my radar for Kate Bishop when I saw her back in, um, what was it? I think it was Edge of 17. And there may have been something she was in even before that. I, I followed, oh yeah, Pitch Perfect. Uh, she oh, was yeah. great. She was great mm-hmm. in Pitch Perfect. Uh, but she was awesome in Edge of 17. And at that point in time, I think there was a rumor that there were talks with her for Marvel and I was like, oh, they need to just cast her as Kate Bishop. I mean, she's got the same hair. She's got the same attitude, the same style. She's like, she is Kate Bishop. And then the rumors were that it was Kate Bishop. And I was like, oh, look at that. Marvel <laughs> listened to me. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I just thought she was perfectly cast. And she is such a unique player now in the MCU, more so than I would think almost any of the other new characters, because it just, from what I, you see in the show, she interacts perfectly with every single person that she talks with. Like every time she's on screen, it, I feel like I, like I need more of her and I can't take my eyes off of her. And it, it's a piece as well that I, I, I'd call out now that this show does a really good job of doing a lot of close-up conversations with people. I don't mm-hmm. know if you caught that either, but like each episode, and I, I'd said, you know, I was, I was trying to catch some favorite moments. So I was kind of like skipping through the show on Disney Plus, And you just see when you're skipping through it, it's just tons of like, close-up shot of clint talking to a close-up of kate and then it's you know yelena and kate, it's all faces and she just she owns it every single time that the screen is on her and i just want more of her every single time so i i loved her and i loved her story too like i loved her learning to become a hero i loved the intro sequence of you know she she like you don't even have to see her origin story right it's all played out in animated form and so you can skip mm-hmm. all of that stuff which is great but yeah I, I loved her what what did you think yeah definitely a like outstanding performance by Haley Steinfeld and I wasn't actually a big Haley Steinfeld fan because oh really she was kind of annoying in Bumblebee everyone loved her <laughs> I was not a big fan of that movie but um I was, but I listened to some of her music. I'm like, oh, she's a really good singer. Um, So when I watched this for the first time, I'm like, oh yeah, she's amazing. And like you said, she's able to really gel with so, like every person that she interacted with through this series. She's talking with the Lipers, with Clint. Like you said, you just kind of like lean in and just listen to what she has to say. She's an amazing communicator. But something that I really liked through her character is, like we saw, you know, the little boy with the Iron Man mask, like all the little people that he's like, I guess, impacted, whether it be through Peter, through Harley, through like all those little moments we've seen. We've seen the same with Cap, um, with that, like, I forget all the different moments, but like, just to know that there was like a kid out there, like looking at Hawkeye, like, oh, wow, would it be like you? Because I feel like, and you know, we're, this is Kate Bishop's time, but I do feel like it was really nice to kind of show that, you know, as a child, this is someone she was looking up to given her uh, circumstances with like her dad and things like that. So I thought that was a really great way to introduce her. Um, And then like the time period, like she's in like young adult, like early twenties. That's a great time. She's not like a Peter Parker where you're in high school. She's not like a, you know, 30 plus, like, or, you know, late twenties, like most of the other 
um, Avengers. So you can have a lot of fun with her character, her just being hip. Okay, like making daiquiris, yeah. but also being like a novice in some areas, like still bragging about like a fencing world tournament when she was, you know, whenever she did it. So I thought it was really refreshing too and something we haven't really seen um, in a while for the MCU. Yeah, yeah. And I guess to, to borrow a famous song of Haley's, I, I didn't know that I was starving until I saw her on screen. <laughs> right. And I was like, now I'm just hungry all the time. <laughs> Yep, I she need, did. I need more. She did. She did. And and uh, uh, let's we'll talk a little bit about Clint too, because um, again, um, it's just the per- the perfect scenario. It played out exactly as I think we a lot of us had hoped in terms of you know a Hawkeye series based off the comic where Clint passes the torch to Kate, and mm-hmm. that's essentially what the show is 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 him. And it's it's cool the way they did it because. Clint's not like he didn't ask for this. He wasn't planning to do this. And he had he didn't know who Kate was from anyone else in the world up until the uh, the fallout from Ronan. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really cool the way that they were able to kind of wrap and continue those threads from Endgame to have that be the impetus of the story. Because, again, it's very different in the comics how they're they already knew each other and all this sort of stuff. But for it to be intro that way. I think Jeremy Renner, this is probably his best performance in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, it's sad to say it's a low bar, but I think that bar is only set low because he didn't have a lot of screen time. Uh, I've, I haven't seen him in a lot, but I feel like the things I've seen him in, I've always just been like, he, he, uh, he's a secret weapon because when you see him and you hear about the things that he does, like uh, his whole singing and music career, and then you see him in interviews. And I don't know if this is, I don't know what the deal is. He's like Amy Pascal where he like is so strange when he's in interviews. It feels like he had, he got like lit before the interview because maybe because he's like so anxious about it, but he just always seems drunk or just in some way, he's just very quirky. But then when you see his performances, you're like, wow, like he can act. And I'm thinking the things that come to mind are like Wind River and uh, Hurt Locker. He was phenomenal mm-hmm. in that. He was great in Tag. Uh, and you could kind of see in Tag where he was a little more funny. And he owns that in the show. Like he hit some of his scenes are some of my favorite. Actually, my favorite scenes, I think, from the show are with him in them, which is pretty cool. Because yeah. He's not one of my favorite characters in the show, but everything like and we'll get to those favorite moments. I won't spoil them now. But I just the way that he same thing. And, and I know you had mentioned this when you were on uh, Earth's Mightiest Weirdos talking about that last episode. And I, I really wanted to dive more into this around how he interacts with everyone around him because Clint has been portrayed as he's a loner and he's, he's very similar to black widow where he, he doesn't have a lot of friends. He's actually identical to black widow, except I was going to say, except that he has a family, but black widow has a family too now. Uh, but yeah. he was the guy that had a family and it was like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. He's kind of the, <laughs> he's the guy who shouldn't be here. <laughs> like yeah. he shouldn't be a part of this. He doesn't have powers. He has a family. He needs to be with his family. And yet he always pulls it off. He's always got the perfect shot. He can always make the hit. And we really dive into what drives him with that. And and you really see that in that mention when he says, you know, kind of like the name of the comic uh, series, but, you know, my life as a weapon. He, He felt like he was a weapon being pointed in different directions. And so you really get this depth from him of just a remorse that's also kind of guilt, but also at the same time is more of like a it is what it is sort of thing. 
And he just, he's really good at portraying so many different things at the same time through very quick little, you know, twitches and eye movements and, and nods. He's, he's big on doing like little nods and, and, you know, shaking his head sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say I loved Hawkeye. I mean, you know this. I was always a fan. I was a big fan of the Barton family farm. Mm-hmm. I... I always wanted more of him. So I was really excited, actually. And it was funny because I used to, I was not a fan of Loki. And so I used to say, I was more excited for Hawkeye than Loki. And then Loki ended up being really good. But Hawkeye, it was, you know, really, really good. So I'm just so happy. And I think Marvel is realizing like areas and previous stories where they could, you know, invest more energy into the character development and obviously Hawkeye was one of them um so I think I know everyone says like Haley Steinfeld was the star of the show she was but I do still feel like this is a Hawkeye story oh yeah um and just so much of the growth development that he was able to portray and get to know him better um was definitely like a highlight and he's just a great person like I don't know, Anthony, like our friend Anthony mentioned, he's like heart of the Avengers and that's how he would like describe it. Um, And I would agree with that. Um, And then like constantly seeing him get beat up, put like frozen like vegetables on his like head and has to constantly clean up his wounds. Like it really humanizes being a superhero and just to see him be like that mentor role was amazing. And he played that very well. And he, uh, he, you see when he's dealing with the LARPers and I, I, uh, I'm trying to think if I put that in my favorites, cause we'll, we'll get to the LARPers, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I said like, I am Clint in that scene because like, I would have been so mad of like, <laughs> dude, this guy stole my costume. Please just give it back to me and I'll leave. And they're like, no, you right. have to play. And it's like, Oh my God, please just, and he did that perfectly. And so you see there that he's like typically a pretty annoyed guy and he's like, things usually bother him. And even when with Kate, you see that, but then you see the way that he is with his family and you see the way that he is with Kate when he starts seeing things about her, like starting to realize who she is. And it's, it's funny, like Clint has a very, it's almost like he, he obviously has trust issues because he's a spy that's like comes with the territory, but it's like, if you give him an inch, he's on your side. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's a really cool, at least that's the way that I interpret it. Again, I'd love to hear kind of what you were saying where you said, you know, the way that he treats women, but you see that with like Kate where, you know, he's about to punch her in the face when he pulls the mask off. And then he just goes, God, come on. Cause he knew it's like, it's a, just a young woman and he's not going to beat up on that. But then right. he, he's like super annoyed with her. But then there's that moment where he starts to like learn just a little bit about her. And suddenly he's really nice to her. And he's like, all right, I'm going to, and he doesn't ever say it, but he, you can just see it through his, his movements that he's like, I'm going to help her. I'm going to pass along some wisdom to her and I'm going to be there for her when she needs me. And you see that too, with some other characters in the show. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. And I, I think that just knowing, I remember we were told that him and Nat were partners for when they had all this history and it's crazy because like when it's this series where I'm like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm seeing the effects of him being Nat's partner for so many years, even though we've never seen that really as much on screen. Because like how he like communicates with Yelena, how he communicates with Kate, his wife, you can just tell it was like natural. It was never, you know, I wouldn't say 
you know, the other Avenger, male Avengers were not as collaborative, but I just felt like he definitely had um, like a very unique way of like being a leader, a mentor and a collaborator in that sense. And just like how he communicated with women, it wasn't never any like doubting or, oh, you're a little teenager. Let me, I'm going to look down on you. He actually legitimately cared about everyone he was, you know, sought to help. So I thought that was really great. And I just, I don't know. I don't know how to express it without sounding weird, but he was like very gentle and encouraging. And I honestly, it's so hard for me to separate his character and my dad. Cause there's like the, so many, like my dad, he lost a lot of his hearing due to being a firefighter uh, for almost 30 years. And so obviously I see that. And then obviously being in like a line of duty, whatever. And so, and then also like having like daughters and my mom and everything like that. So I, for me, I just feel like it's such a great fatherly figure in my eyes. And I, yeah. I feel like that's, that his role just really resonated with me in that sense too. So that's, I think that's another reason why I was kind of able to identify that is because he just seems like a great like male role model. Yeah. Even though he constantly says that he's not. And yeah. I think, I mean, that goes back to the, the thing of, uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, you know, if you, if you think you're a leader then, or if you think you're the king or something, you probably aren't like, it's the person mm-hmm. who says that they're, they're not, they're the ones who kind of deserve it sort of thing. And he's, he's the perfect example of that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like a father figure, but a mentor, but it's just like, he's, he's gruff, but he is a very genuine person. And he, he, like, he does what he says he's going to do. He speaks the truth. Like, I love that scene when he's talking with uh, Kate's mom and she's like, so can I count on you to stop, you know, following this case? And he's like, I can't do that. But what I can do is I can promise your daughter's safety. And I just was like, Mm -hmm. like, he's just, he's very to the point, but at the same time, he's very caring. And when you scratch past that surface and see how he is with his family, you, you know, like, he's been through a lot to get to that point. But when right. he opens up, it's always a treat because you know that it's genuine, that he's like legitimately happy or he's legitimately mad. So yeah, totally agree. It definitely enhanced my uh, my feelings towards Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of Kate's mom, uh, let's talk about Eleanor Bishop next. So Via Farmiga uh, did a, I thought she did a great job on my first watch. And these, I got to call these things out on my first watch. I was not a huge fan of her performance. I thought that, and I love Via Farmiga and I, I love her sister even more, but she, uh, she just, she felt, she felt like she was playing the same character that she was playing in Godzilla. And that's probably why I had an issue with her because even mm. in Godzilla too, like she was trying to be the bad guy where she was a bad guy, but trying to be a good person. And it just comes off strange with, and it was funny because when my cousin, my cousin's a big Bates Motel guy. And when we were watching it, he was like, oh, this is her same character as Bates Motel playing uh, what's it, Psycho's mom, basically, uh, mm. Norman Bates's mom, and just playing that character where she's evil, but she pretends to be good. And sometimes just the way her facial expressions came off, I could just tell she was fake. And I was I couldn't tell if that was I couldn't separate it from the performance. But then when mm. I watched it the second time, I was like, no, she's actually does a really good job in here. Like she has a lot of really cool moments. But she still, some of it just didn't rub me the right way in the way that she like treats Jack and, you know, oh, when that, that whole bit when they're dancing and I, I really had an issue with, and uh, 
we'll get to the issue but she there's a lot of issues that stem from her and uh, her ability to drive and also (laughs) uh, but but there's this bit and I'll call this out now uh, in the first episode where Kate shows up at the house and she um, she tells Kate, she's like, Kate, you know, I've got to talk to you about something. And and Jack shows up and he's like, ah, you know, here's this rose. And, you know, she's being all mean to Jack. But then she says, we're running late. Meet me at the hotel. Meet us at the hotel. We can talk more there. Lots to talk about, Kate. And then she leaves. And I was just <laughs> like, your daughter just came home from college and you're with a guy that she, she clearly knew because she called him Jack. So she's probably known about him at some point. But I was just like, I feel like it's a sentence to say Jack and I are engaged. <laughs> like, right. why did you leave? And then even at the hotel, she never, talk, she never talks her at the hotel. It's like, okay, you're running late, but for one minute of conversation with your daughter that just came over. So there's, there's a little bit of an issue that I had there where I was like, you could have just told her, but overall I thought she was fine. She was a, a good um, proxy villain. I guess you could say, cause she's, mm-hmm. she's a bad guy clearly, but she's not really the villain of the show. She puts things into motion, but I thought she was fine with what she had. Yeah, I honestly, I think everyone was just like, you know, you should not like her. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I did, but I'm like, she is cold AF. Like you said, like, I'm just seeing the scene where she like talking about like setting up her, her, uh, her fiance and things like right. you didn't see any remorse. Like she was just doing this like and I remember it being an irritation. I was thinking it could have been an acting thing, but like, no, like it's a perfect way to depict someone who has just been basically used to manipulating and getting their way. It's like with your daughter, with everyone else, you have like the same demeanor and nothing phases you. And clearly her relationship with her daughter wasn't enough to kind of like separate those lifestyles. So I think that she did a really good job showing that coldness and yeah I felt like as like a mother like that was pretty diabolical on her part and we never got to I was wanting to see her like have like a breakdown type of moment right where she gets really mad like rather than just giving me like this so smug uh like rich lady demeanor like I don't know like scream or something (laughs) I was so annoyed at how calm and collected she was the whole series but um I think overall she did a really good job portraying that. Um, and also I have qualms with her as a businesswoman. Now that your daughter's able to tap into everybody's phones, I'm like, this security company, I'm like, we need to call freaking Luis and ex-cons because they're doing a lot better job. Anyway, and then also work Christmas party on Christmas Eve. I don't know. But <laughs> I just wanted to... I'm like, how? But anyway, I thought she did a, a good job for what she was trying to portray. Yeah. You know, it to me, it made a lot of sense from a storytelling perspective when you talk about, uh, you know, and I think a lot of people said this about No Way Home, and we're not going to talk spoilers here about it, but there a certain character there who people were like, ah, that's convenient. And uh, if you know what I'm talking about with, with it, uh, and, and I, I thought that too with this, when she, and I didn't even get it the first time I watched it, but when she's in the car and I think she's tracking Clint's phone, 
or whoever it is and she's just t- she just does a couple quick t- types and she's in and i was just yeah. like oh that's really convenient i was like that's so cool that her, she works for you know a security company but yeah in in the real world that's not good <laughs> that's yeah. not a good thing but for an mcu it's perfect like she's got right. all the connections now but yeah mm-hmm. so totally totally agree with that and with the christmas eve party but I don't know what the ultra rich do on Christmas Eve. So maybe that's a <laughs> common thing. Um, all right. So a quick little, quick little shout out for Lucky the Pizza Dog uh, as a character. Uh, wasn't in it as much as I think most people wanted, but I think it was also in it just the right amount. I mean, there's not much more you can do with it besides having an entire episode from the dog's perspective, like mm-hmm. in the comics. But I thought Lucky was cool. They, you know, very quickly introduced that this dog is, you know, saved, likes pizza, and has a you know missing eye and uh kind of follows them around everywhere but beyond that i loved it i love pizza dog but uh i did there's nothing you know stand out special about him i'm trying to think did he do anything save the day wise like you know biting the right person or that's what i was trying having to someone think. slip on a piece of pizza <laughs> right. i don't think he had any moments other than in the beginning of the series when kate was fighting the tracksuits. I don't know. There was, uh, did he have a moment there? I think maybe he bit one of their legs or something. Yeah, and then I think they kicked yeah. him. Mm-hmm, for sure. And then we were like, oh no. Yeah, that was really Yeah, bad. I agree. Same, like perfect amount. Like it's no like goose by any means, but I think that, you know, he did, it was cute. He was like adding adorable factor to the show. That's yes. all I can ask for. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. Uh, all right, well, then let's move into the other member of the Bishop family, or at this point, TBD, uh, Jack Duquesne, the swordsman who uh, was so much better to watch on a second viewing. Because mm-hmm. on that first viewing, he irritated me <laughs> because yeah. I was like, dude, we know, we know you're evil. We know yeah. you're bad. You're just playing dumb. And then when you finally realize that he is not evil and he is dumb, you appreciate him so much more and I, it was so great watching like the first two episodes every line that he had just made me laugh and i was like this guy's really funny and jack uh, it's not jack dalton that's macgyver but uh timothy dalton uh, i thought did a great job the mustache was absolutely on point uh all of his lines were great we got to see some great sword action from him I hope we see more of him in the future. I hope he is, you know, like a surrogate father to Kate in some way. Maybe he's the one who funds her or whatever it is. I I just, I hope we see some more of him. Yeah, I hope we see more of him too. And I think I was, I was a bit confused with his character because it was like either, I mean, it's obvious he was going to be a bad guy or at least I thought so. And so, yeah, like you said, a a newfound appreciation with the, like the other episodes I rewatched. Um, I I really would have loved to see him find out that Eleanor was setting him up though. Like just to see his reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I I mean he was like that's a big deal, like being framed for murder by someone you love. Sort of been nice, but I also realized that Jack was really representing kind of like rich eccentric culture. Like, yeah. okay, you can randomly like you're you're holding a freaking sword at a company holiday party just for funsies and you do all this and like you're bidding on Ronin gear. It just shows just like the rich elite, like you really could do anything you want and it's kind of like weird, but okay, just go with it. So I appreciated that too. 
Um, and I mean, he had a lot of funny bits that bit with him and Armand the seventh or whatever his name. Oh was. yeah, about the hand. Hilarious about him being his fan. I like yeah. that so much. So I thought overall, though, he I really appreciated his character, and hope he sticks around, and I'm sure he will. Yeah. He, uh, he also called out some of my favorite board games, too, because I don't think I've ever heard someone mention Stratego before when he was saying, do we want to play a game? Like It was like Risk <laughs> or Stratego. I was like, I want to hang out with him. I'll play that with him. Uh, oh, and then, yeah, there's that bit at the end, too, when uh, he's with the LARPer, and oh, yeah. she was like, have you ever tried LARPing? He's like, LARPing? Is that a leisure activity? And then <laughs> she's trying to explain it to him, and he's like, oh, I got blood on my tie. And he's just, he's just so ditzy and, you know, spacey, and I love that. It's it is funny. Like, I haven't worked a day in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like, so funny. But then when he starts, you know, he uses a sword and he's a really good sword fighter. So, you know, that I thought yeah. was a really cool thing that he actually, he does have a little bit of value in that regard to where he can, you know, help out, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about some of the real bad guys. So uh, we got the track suits and we'll throw Kazi into this as well. Who's the, uh, <laughs> The assistant manager of the uh, tracksuits, Maya being the manager, Kingpin being the uh, the VP, but, or he might be the CEO. We don't know. We don't know how high it goes. But yeah, um, they were perfect. I thought they they were exactly as they were in the comics, which is uh, too much, but also too little. That you know, the constantly saying of bros. I know that was a, a point of contention before the show came out of like, oh, are they going to do that? Because it's excessive in the comics in a really good way. And I'm glad they did. Yeah, there was those couple minutes of bro, 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 bro. And, uh, you know, oh, bro, I found her. <laughs> when Kate falls through the, the ceiling was great. Um, and then, yeah, you know, when the one tracksuit guy's talking about the uh, Imagine Dragons and then Maroon 5 was great. Um, they were cool. Like, I liked they were, you know, they, they're a gang. Maya, you and I have talked about this before. I'm sure they went straight to Henchman's Warehouse and picked <laughs> up. They went to the tracksuit aisle and all got the same tracksuits, uh, which is cool. I mean, just like in Shang-Chi, it's like, if you've got a gang, you got to have some sort of uniform and camaraderie. And right. uh, so I thought I, I thought they were hilarious. They were good. Yeah, it's definitely the year for the, the tracksuit with Squid Game and oh, some yeah. other that came out, but... I think it's just so, it's just so ironic to me that you have this supposed to be like underground stealthy organization, but you have all of your members walking around with tracksuits and guns and vans like what? <laughs> it's not discreet at all, but like you said, I think it's a lot of fun and it's different like this is a different style of henchmen, you give them a little bit more personality. Um, but yeah, I mean I think it. Kazi specifically, I really liked his character. Yeah. Because I think something that was kind of like glazed over, and it wasn't until I did like, um, I watched a few breakdown videos on YouTube. It's like, they were, and I think we talked about this too at one point, they were basically groomed to be like henchmen since they were kids. So when that scene, when she was at karate, Kazi was there with her in the background. Or Oh. Yeah, like, it was like, the caption said Kazi was like, hey, or I have to go back to it. I don't want to, I don't want to wow. go. Like, but so basically they're in this like hole and then Kingpin picked her up from karate. So you're training all the track kids or the track babies, <laughs> tracksuit babies to like be a part of this or not having a lot of choice. So seeing him kind of brainwashed to the point of like killing Echo's dad and also just 
trying to justify backstabbing, it makes sense. Like if that's all you knew growing up as a child. So I think I really like what his uh, character represented and even show even the one who was like, we thought had more allegiance to Maya. Like it just showed the system was built for, you know, off of like all this negative thing. So it makes sense like how he moved forward. Yeah. That's a really great point. And I think a fantastic call that we need to make that we got an MCU rendition of Kingpin picking up Echo from karate practice as a kid. <laughs> that just seems really funny. Uh, but no, I, I think I think it's a really cool look at, at how do you craft, how do you, Kingpin is all about loyalty. How do you create loyalty with your gang members? You get them at birth and you raise them to be loyal to you. And it really shows, and, and it's exemplified too through, uh, the conversation that her dad has with her when he says that you can travel between both worlds. And Kazi says that at the end that he can't do that. And, and saying so with the implication that Maya can. So she's very unique in that she's not beholden to the tracksuits. I mean, they make that very clear, right? She doesn't wear a tracksuit. She's, the, you know, hiding in her room. She's the boss. Um, and, and I think that's a really great message to send from him that, you know, hey, yeah, I care about you a lot, but not as much as this other thing that is, you know, ruining my life in a sense. And so I'll ask, do you think, uh, do you think he's dead? Cause I, I, I assumed he was, and I thought he was, it made sense, but we also didn't see a body. Really? Cause when he, when she stabbed him, I mean, maybe I'm misremembering. I thought she stabbed him. He was like, ah, and then the next scene was like later. And so you don't see it later. I'm a, my thing is, I think he's dead. But, I, I think he's dead too. Okay. But I um, thought I'd heard something about him coming, like Frothy having more to do in the future, sort of thing. But again, I don't even well, know. Well, maybe because that's why I was really curious in like who's going to be doing Maya's like translating. Because I feel like for him, they grew up together and made a lot of sense. So it's like, I wonder, like for her series, like. You know, it'd be cool <laughs> is if he's dead and he really is dead, but then in the series, we get to see Frothy through flashbacks. And mm. I feel like that would be really emotional to see them grow together in the past and then realize that she killed him in the future sort of thing. Like that would hit really mm. hard. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, and he's also based off of the clown, the character Kazi in, uh, in the Hawkeye comic, completely different. He wasn't part of the tracksuits originally. I mean, he joined later, but, um, but I still thought that was pretty cool. But let's, di let's dive into the manager herself. Uh, Echo, <laughs> Maya Lopez, uh, one of the coolest MCU intros of all time. Yes. Uh, in that room as the bass is thumping and she's, yes. I, I mean, oh, I can relate. Obviously, I, I am not, I do not have hearing loss, but I love bass. And uh, oh man, that scene was, just, the, the lighting, it felt very, very John Wickish. And uh, just, and then to immediately go into the next episode to get her backstory, we find out it's her cousin who's the, the younger version of her. We find out too that she's an amputee as well as being deaf and mm -hmm. that that's her in real life. And that she, this is like her first acting gig. And she did this to prove that point that anyone can act sort of thing. Uh, and with that said, uh, I can say there are certain moments, very tiny moments where you can tell that this is her first time acting. But mm -hmm. overall, holy cow, for a first time, like, you know, you can't expect anyone to be perfect on their first time, but she gets pretty close. Like, she is just, she's riveting. Every time she's on screen, you can't take her eyes off her. You're like, oh my gosh, I like, what is she going to do next? And I loved the mixture of where she would sign and it would have subtitles, but then there were moments where it didn't. 
and then moments from her perspective where the sound in the background is distorted and just the way she deals with Kingpin, the way she deals with Ronan, uh, just, oh my goodness, so, so much. She was just phenomenal. A lot with Cogs. She's amazing. And I mean, and I think what I recognize, like with her and even Eternals with Makari, I think there's so much, it's actually a big shift to have someone play a deaf, a deaf character with like, and they actually have that like disability essentially, or to having hearings because so a lot of the times, you know, they always would have just an, you know, someone who didn't have necessarily that characteristic playing someone that does. So for us, we're thinking, we're seeing a very natural way of communicating because that that actor does really can hear. So it doesn't really translate as something super different on screen. So this is what I really appreciate. So there's so many like different like ways that she expressed herself. So that could have seemed like it was dull or I don't know, it, it didn't seem like it was connecting. I'm like, well, you know, this is who, like she, honestly, she is this character. Like she embodies yeah. the character so much. So I'm like, I kind of like, kind of interpreted it that way, but I thought she was phenomenal. I cannot wait to see her in our own series. And yeah. it just like the little hints too, they didn't scream like, oh, this is how we're checking our native, like our native bots or, I always say like sometimes Hollywood tries to do like these diversity check boxes. Yeah. Um, whether it be through a disability, through you know, race, through ethnicity and things like that. But they like incorporated that about her like in a, such a great way, like seeing her apartment, um, and just seeing some of like the Native American cultural elements decorated, um, seeing her father, and it was just like a natural thing. I don't think they tried to make it like a huge um spectacle about her differences and just showed that she was a like a really great person um who really cared about like her family unit and what she had so I think she's amazing character I can't say it over I probably said amazing like three times, <laughs> but I thought she was really good um I I think it, I, I'm I might be wrong. I don't think I am. They don't mention that she's Native American. They don't mention that she's deaf. And they don't mention that she's an amputee in the show. It's mm-hmm. all just inferred through, obviously, you know, you can see it, but it's like, that's when you know that it's the checkbox sort of thing. When it's like, they're making a very clear point to show you this and they didn't do that at all. And it's funny too, um, Sarah and I were talking about this on the No Way Home episode. I was watching the No Way Home uh, premiere and Victoria Alonzo was on there. And if you know anything about her, she's very big on pushing diversity in Marvel. I mean, Marvel itself has been pushing diversity for a while, but she had a really cool sentiment at the end of her little interview where she said, uh, we represented our hearts out this year. She was like, if I don't talk to you guys, she was talking to the first, but she's like, if I don't talk to you, hope you guys have a, you know, a great new year. Uh, I hope everyone loved what we put out this year. We had nine, uh, nine different projects and we represented our hearts out. We hope that this was good enough, good enough. Like she was very passionate about it. And I -hmm. think when that came out with what we saw in No Way Home, with what we saw in Eternals, with in Shang-Chi, in like literally everything, is, is becoming what it's supposed to be. And I think this mm-hmm. was their plan all along. 
again, we talked about it in pretty big detail in that episode, just around, you know, part of it not really being Marvel's fault, more so being the powers that be wanting to focus on what sells versus, you know, what actually is happening in our world. And so I think now they have that freedom to do whatever they want, and they're taking it. They're, they're having as much representation as they can, because our world is very diverse, and it makes sense to have that sort of stuff. Not only that, but you're honoring the comics. Like the comics are very diverse. And so you, this story is identical to the way that it is in the comics, which is so Mm -hmm. cool to see. They've just incorporated that it was Hawkeye that killed. um, Well, no, I guess they still kind of point out that it was Kingpin all along, but Mm -hmm. you know, they were able to incorporate that Ronan was the one that actually pulled the trigger. But we also get some really cool echo call outs too, with her father putting her blood, his bloody hand on her because that's part of her quote unquote costume. She's got the white handprint, but then also She's got on her jacket a circular, it's almost a full circle, I think. It's like a crescent or something with a bunch of, it looks like a moon or a sun. And I'm pretty sure that's a part of her costume as well. So I I noticed Mm -hmm. that on a few shots with the lighting, I was like, this is just, they really did the character justice. And uh, yeah, everything you said, I I completely echo in that regard. So (laughs) with that, let's move on to her handler, the VP of the track suits, Mr. Wilson Fisk himself, the kingpin straight out of Netflix Daredevil. And uh, I know uh, you have a couple nitpicks with this character, so I'll, I'll get my stuff out of the way. Uh, I thought he was great. Uh, I, I had one or two little things that I'll, I'll see if they're similar to yours in terms of not necessarily anything that took me out of the show, but my mom called it out and I was thinking it at the same time. So I was like, great, now it's stuck in my head that I, I can't you know think of this. But um, I thought he was a perfect translation from the Netflix character. I don't think, you know, there was ever any question of like, oh, well, you know, where is this in the Netflix timeline? Like, it was just like, here's Kingpin, here he is. He's a little more comic booky. And I put some notes in here that he says in the spirit of the holidays, which he would never say in the Netflix show. Uh, He's got his diamond cane from the comics, which was awesome. He's got the Christmas vibe at the office, which was great to see that, you know, I'm sure whether he's the one who wanted it or approved it, obviously he had, it had to go through him and they've got all the, you know, decorations, the little beads on the doors. I was just like, he's a festive guy. And he's got the shirt and the fedora looking, uh, looking absolutely snazzy for high school chess club. And uh, just, just great to see overall. And then also I loved when he rips off the door because again, in the Netflix show, he kills somebody with a door. And so it's just nice to see them give him a more kingpin vibe in the sense of being very over the top. He's a huge man. It takes a lot to take him down. Uh, And you don't even really get that in here because he just gets the crap beaten out of him and he gets back up, which is very comics accurate. So I liked that in that regard, but uh, I know it might've rubbed you the wrong way. Am I, am I remembering right? Yeah, I was not a fan of this Kingpin at all. And it's funny, I'm I'm rewatching Daredevil now. I remember how much I really liked his character Mm. and I, I just, it was honestly hard for me to take him seriously. And maybe some of the elements you mentioned contributed to it so when he said like this is my city I just didn't feel like he earned it yet like we're yeah just, like MCU wise like I'm like this is Tony Stark city like <laughs> this is some Steve city shoot he has a musical so it's like for him to say all that I'm like well really were you just hiding this whole time and I get it that's what happens when you introduce you know new villains and I'm sure he's gonna be a big bad once we see him a little bit more but I just felt like he came out really, really, the reveal didn't really do a lot for me because yeah. he didn't yeah. seem intimidating. 
I mean, granted, he was trying to beat up on, you know, uh, early 20-something woman. I'm like, okay, big shot over here. But I just yeah. didn't really feel like, I don't know, then him getting, seeing him, the effect of him getting hit by the car. I don't know, something about it. I just, I was laughing. I'm like, is this serious? I just, I don't know, for some reason, it just did not land with me well. And I don't know why I was getting Blank Check vibes. Have you seen that movie? Oh, I love Blank Check. That's one oh, of my too. childhood favorites. What they, you, of, of who? The, of the... Remember the black guy in Blank Check? He had like that, like, kind of like that Hawaiian type shirt and he was getting his ass beat. The security guard guy? Yeah, wait, he was uh, the main guy's like henchman, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was chasing him around all that time. I don't know why it was giving me that vibe, maybe because it was like their shirt and stuff, but just like kind of like the little bit of a corny fight scene. But um, I mean, well, actually can't say any spoilers there from No Way Home, but I, I'm really excited to see more of them. I will say that. But I just didn't feel like this is the best way to introduce his character, um, especially when it's like, you know, the last episode and, you know, we see Maya kill him, but we know he's not dead. So I don't know. I just felt like it was a weird way to go about his character in general. And honestly, I feel like the Kingpin and uh, Into the Spider-Verse is probably like the best Kingpin. Oh, that was a pretty good Kingpin. And that's, and I think that's probably why, because I, when I was watching the Daredevil, I wasn't as like, I was very separated from the rest of Marvel. So I'm expecting like when the MCU brings him in, he's going to be way bigger, more intimidating. So it being like the same Kingpin from Daredevil, I'm like, this is just a normal guy with a suit on and a bald head. It was pretty so, funny. I was listening to, uh, I think it was Earth's Mightiest Weirdos, the, the fifth episode about it and everyone was doing predictions of what the final episode would be and i'd watched it after the final episode and <laughs> i was giggling because i don't remember who said it but someone was like yeah i read that uh they're going to be doing some cgi on him to make him seem a lot bigger and menacing and i was like no they didn't, they didn't do that. <laughs> not at all uh but they but it, it was weird and i wonder if it's the piece of marvel because you know they've always said this where they say let's just get everything out on the table right now and put it in this movie versus going oh let's set something up for a later movie like they're always like if we can just do it in this movie do it and we'll worry about it later and so i wonder if they were like we don't know where we're going to put the kingpin next or when we're going to see him next so let's just try and fit a cool little story arc in there of you know he's powerful he gets taken down he gets quote unquote shot so you know if he never shows up again we can assume he's dead and if he does then we can get more development but i totally agree with you it felt pretty rushed but I, I, like I said, I can't complain because I, I love the Kingpin. And so it was really nice to see him. But I, I totally get what you're saying. Like it did almost take, I was curious to see how I would react because I was wondering if it would take me out of the show just because knowing that it's the Kingpin from Netflix and, and it did, but it, I got pulled back into, there were some really great moments with him. Like when he's talking with um, Kate's mom, but I also have a nitpick from that as well. Uh, but we're getting close to that because we've only got two more characters left. So um, we'll get we'll get this one out of the way. You know, some would say maybe we save the best for last. But uh, LARPers, um, <laughs> I can take or leave the LARPers. I am fine with them. I thought their performances were great. I was uh, out of all of them. My favorite was Bombshell just because I love Bombshell's name. I loved her do at the in the last episode <laughs> was totally badass. Uh, Girls was cool, too. But again, it was like 
as I'm watching it again, the guy was like, oh, you know, you need to let me kill you. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Just give me the suit. But then at the same time, I don't know about you, but I kept thinking, this was a bunch of firefighters and policemen just LARP in the middle of Central Park every day. Why yeah. are they solving crimes? And I don't know, but maybe that was just me. But I did love that they were the ones that kind of created the costumes. But even in a lot, like, uh, maybe this is a hot take. I was not a fan of the clink, clink, the whole, that whole final, but everything about that to me is very cringy. <laughs> and that's just because I, I don't know, maybe I'm not LARP material, but I just like, really? It's like, you have to do the clinking sound. Like, that's not cool. But then even in the end, you know, when they're, oh, you know, he's in slow motion running, like, let's take note of how big this guy is and that he can beat things with his belly. And it was just like, okay cool so I, I don't know did you like them i felt i agree that the larpers could be take it or leave them um i i you know i i actually enjoyed the larping scene it was okay yeah when hawkeye is doing his larp fight that was awesome like i loved how it was like because you're showing just how much better he is than these people because he's just like instant dodge parry and slap dead 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 that was that was cool but yeah the rest I of it but like with how they like came to, I, I really like the fact that I guess they showed that they were able to like assemble these people who just wanted to help. Yeah. But I didn't find them that helpful. I mean, I guess they were in terms of like making the costume and things, but sis really said, oh crap, let's, let's put on our LARPing gear so we can help the civilians. And she joked her hair up to her. <laughs> I'm like, what? But like you said, like, I mean, I guess it's like good to see some new characters and we like, I would really, I think it'd be really fun eventually to see like these side characters, like mesh, I don't know, with some other side characters from other series um, eventually. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they were okay. I still, you know, some funny moments, but it wasn't like anything too memorable, nothing that I like excited to see them again. Yeah, exactly. If they come back, I'll be happy to see them. Uh, I think, I wonder if Bombshell, if she's, uh, was modeling her hair after Captain Marvel, maybe. That was a very uh, 2019 Captain Marvel look. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, I think besides the clinking, none of it was like as cringy, but it just, it, it was cool in the sense of the message that it was sending that, again, despite Clint's best efforts, he does a really good job of inspiring people around him to be better and to become kind of like the, you know, the whole thing Kate shares at the end when she's saying, mm -hmm. you know, when I was 12, I saw you, all that stuff. It's the same with the LARPers. Like they want to help because they see this regular Joe guy helping. And so they know that they can make a difference too. So that message was great. Mm -hmm, for sure. All right. Let's talk about Florence Pugh as Yelena Belova. Uh, I think, I think, we all knew she was coming, if I'm remembering right. She was released as part of the cast at the very beginning anyway. So I don't think there was ever a shock that she was going to show up, uh, which to me made that rooftop fight not one of my favorite moments just because I was like, we know it's Yelena. Like, oh, there's someone else up here on the roof. Oh, I wonder who that could be out of, you know, all of the people in the world. Um, but it was it was nice to see the reveal. Uh, we're going to get into the, uh, the I had messaged you about this, about the the girls night scene, the macaroni scene. We're going to dive into that separately because uh, there's a lot that I need to say about that scene. But Yelena uh, as a character, loved her. I thought she was fantastic. The scene with her uh, in five years back 
getting snapped away. Holy cow, that was emotional. Um, her fighting was fantastic. Her hairdo in the last episode was incredible. Mm. My mom was like, holy cow. I was like, yeah, that is awesome. Like she <laughs> she do that all on her own in like a hotel room or something like just props to her for all of that, for her, her comedy. She just, I, I thought she was fantastic. I'm really glad that it seems like we're getting her synced into the MCU and that it looks like we're getting the new Black Widow Hawkeye duo, which I am more than happy with. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, man, I, here, you want me to talk about Yelena now? Yeah, let's do it. I think that I'm very excited. I And I recognize that a lot of these series, like every series has a duty of introducing another character, well, not introducing a character, but like bringing a character in and just kind of showing how they're, like they fit in this whole MCU puzzle piece I guess but I honestly I I really love the moments between Kate and um Yelena but I did feel like her presence was a little distracting in some areas and I wish honestly her and Clint um kind of made amends earlier just because it's like a simple communication thing. Granted, yes. like never, he didn't even try to explain what Vormir was in that experience, but I wish we would have got that in like the fifth episode rather than the sixth, because I felt like it kind of dragged on a little bit, but um, I think it just, I loved showing like when she got snapped and then when she came back and I loved the, honestly, the reason why I love the dialogue between Kate and Yelena so much is because like as a widow, and like, especially leaving that and like working with other women, you can tell she just loves the kiki, the girl, like, you know, that type of interaction. So it indulged in, a, I think I was talking on Earth, Earth Mightiest Weirdos that it was like a balance between, okay, I'm a, I'm a villain in this instance, but I'm also like a home girl. And then like Kate constantly getting too comfortable with her, realizing she really likes her and realizing, yep. oh, she's a bad guy. She could keep going through this exercise. Um, so that was fun. Um, but honestly, I don't think it was something that I was really just looking for her to settle things with Clint. Yeah. Um, anything outside of that was kind of just like bonus. It wasn't like blowing me away. Yeah. So, and I'll, I'll dive into it on my end. So I, I think that's probably what my main issue is with it is just that seeing that post credit scene in Black Widow even that post credit scene, I just got excited because I was like, cool, she's going to, excuse me, she's going to be friends with Clint. Like they're going to, they're going to hit it off. This is perfect because Val has no idea what she's talking about. Like Clint didn't kill Natasha. It's not the murderer of his sister. And all that takes is one conversation because you should have known because Nat talks about Clint all the time. So like, you know, that he's more than what is, is, is right. there. And Kate even says that in the conversation, she says, nobody is perfect, but Clint is a good person. And he is, he's made mistakes in the past, but he's working to kind of atone for those mistakes, just like someone else in that room is probably trying to do in Yelena. Like you can't, you know, okay. Even if it was true. And, you know, okay, Clint's killed a bunch of people. Yelena's probably killed just as many people as Clint is. So it's like very pot calling the kettle black in that instance that she's feeling self-righteous about this, which is coming from obviously her sister passing. And that's very emotional for her. 
Mm-hmm. It just was like, why can't you just sit down? And part of that's because it's a superhero show. You've got to have a superhero fight with them before they work it out. But that's the sort of thing that should have happened on the rooftop is what I feel like it should have happened then and been done with it. But um, let me, here's, here's what I jotted down as I was watching this on my little mini rewatch. I said, we'll see, we'll see how this works out. Like I said, I need your help working through it. I sort of worked through it. I've got an issue with her accent. I don't know what it is, but I have never been a fan of the Russian comedian slash Tommy Wiseau from the room of like, Oh, hi, Mark. That like, where I said she, I said, and I moved down to say, Yelena is super cool. Unless she is trying to act cool, she can do cool all by herself. She doesn't need to try. That's when it bugs me. So like you get this whole opening scene when she's hunting the widow down to free her and you see the way that she talks. She's super serious. She's super badass. She's funny in some moments too. And she's got that feeling. But then when she's with Kate, she's almost trying to act kind of cool with the things that she says. And it doesn't come off cool partially because of the accent, but also just because it's like, you don't need to act cool. Like Yelena, we love you. We are obsessed with you. You do not need to say these things. And and that whole thing being the mac and cheese. So she said, and I wrote this down, what? This is crazy. She made some good smelling macaroni. And I'm like, what? uh, And she says, you're done. I can go. I can put hot sauce on it. Yes. I love hot sauce. And I was just like, that to me was not funny at all. It was a little bit cringy, but I get the whole purpose of it. Like the, the scene itself, I really liked. I just felt like some of that dialogue was just strange. And, and it, I felt that way in Black Widow too. There were a couple of moments in there too, where she's trying to act cool. And it's just, it's hard to look at the tracksuit mafia. They act cool or they try to act cool and it doesn't come off well. They all have those Russian accents too. Like to me, it's just when you've got and I don't know if that's a, I'm not trying to dish Russian accents, but I've just never been a fan of like the Russian accent trying to sound funny. And maybe it's because when (laughs) it's coming back to me now, when I was in high school, kids used to do this thing all the time where they would do the, uh, I don't know, like in Russia, shoe ties you. And I don't know if you ever had that. I don't know. Maybe I was at a weird school, but kids would say these like Russian jokes all the time. It just, I don't know. It wasn't funny, but um, she also says, Uh, I said, she is playing like we aren't supposed to like her, but I want to like her. Uh, And I said, how long have you known Clint? And she says, about a week, you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, Yelena, how long have you known Clint? Like 24 hours, less than Kate for sure, because you just met him on the roof and that's it. So you can't be judging him based off of such a small interaction with him based off of bad intel from from a handler. So uh, that's kind of my issue. I don't, I don't know if I've expressed it properly because I know everyone, I don't think I've heard a single person say that they don't like the macaroni and cheese scene. And I feel strange having issues with it because it's a very unique scene. Like you don't get that much anymore where you get a random scene of people talking about macaroni, but she just kept going on about how good the macaroni is. And then we get the amazing Kate line of like, I know, I know it's delicious, but like, I don't know. Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy. And I, and no, I, I, everything you said is totally justified. And, and I get it. Cause I'm like, honestly, you could have cut all this out and got like something more meaningful between like her and Clint. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to set the groundwork with some, like obviously the friendship between Kate and Yelena, 
but no, I, I do feel like some of those comedic moments didn't land as well. I honestly, yeah, no, I could see what you're saying. Okay. Cause it's like, I don't, I, I love like Yelena is a fantastic new character. I want to see more of her. And the moments that we see of her when she's like fighting, she's a, she's Florence Pugh is just so good, but there's just, I don't know. There's just some piece that it, it almost feels like she needs to work on balancing in terms of, cause she, and she even says it like, stop trying to make me like you. And she's like, I can't help it. And it's like, yeah. So that I felt it was very meta in that sense, because I feel like everybody loves Yelena and we don't know why it's because Florence Pugh is such a great actress and she's doing such a good job portraying this character. But I just think, I don't know, she was, it was good to set up for future. I think that I think future interactions will be better because of this, because of them meeting and being friends. I mean, there's a lot of it that I love too, of her saying, you know, thank you for the girls night, truly. Like, again, when she's being sincere, I really like that. But when she's trying to be snarky, it just, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can't wait for, I'm going to get a, a giant Santa-sized bag in the mail, hate mail from all of these listeners. <laughs> Guys, I'm so sorry. Please don't hurt me. Like I said, I love Elena. I just, I, I don't know what it was. Uh, but okay, so that's, that's Elena. I think, uh, you know, kind of like we said, she was amazing. So from there, that's all the, the main characters from the show. Um, correct me if I'm missing any, but from there we can move on to, uh, do you want to do our favorite moments or do you want to do some issues that we had? Um, let's start with probably issue just to not get the best of first. Okay. Um, that was a giant portion of my issues that I just went over to. So I guess that does work out nicely. I don't have very many others. Here's the, here's them. Uh, tell me if you agreed. Ronan costume, way too starchy. I don't know if that's the right word for it, but Kate in that first episode looks like she's got a giant hood on her head and, and it's just, it's so stiff and sticking there. And it goes into the end too, when Clint's in the, the costume. Uh, and I called this out as a, it's not an issue, but I wanted to point it out that he looks like Anthony Hopkins in that costume. He looks like a young Anthony Hopkins in that scene where all you see is his eyes. It looked like Anthony Hopkins, I swear to God. But yeah, so that was again, very minor nitpick. Uh, Eleanor, fastest driver alive, the female Jeff Gordon, being able to get in that car, start it up, rev the engine, and hit Kingpin before anyone even noticed anything, which uh, physically is impossible. But you know what? Maybe she's a superhero, so I don't know. Uh, I also said, uh, yeah, we talked about it, of her running late in the episode and not explaining that they're married. Uh, I said wine bottles don't break. If in the first episode when she's bashing everybody on the head with the wine bottles and they don't break I was like there's no way I mean she even kicks the bottle on the ground and it's it snaps up and hits somebody but I'm like if I'd kick the bottle on the ground it would just break the bottle and then you know she's obviously very skilled uh but I think that might be it yeah oh I I said kingpin's twitching yeah nice touch I, looking back, I get it. Really great way to show that he's holding back a, an immense amount of rage. But on that first view, and, and I, I, I even put it here, I said, speaking as someone who I, I get eye twitches sometimes, so I get it. Like, we t- But I have to imagine that was part of his performance because wouldn't they have been like, oh, cut. Uh, hey, Vince, uh, you're doing the twitch thing again, buddy. Like, oh, sorry, it's, it's, a, it's a potassium deficiency or something. Just give me a banana and I'll be fine. Uh, but it's clearly a part of his character and my mom called it out so that's why I said it was stuck in my head she's like why does he keep twitching and I was like I know I can't stop looking at the twitch but uh, it made sense for his character 
that's it. Those are the only issues that I have with the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't have many either. Um, and there's, I guess, all mine obviously relate to Kingpin, but in, <laughs> I've already mentioned most of them, but the one I didn't mention it is his voice. I feel like he was acting like pink, like trying to, I don't, of course he's acting like Kingpin, but trying to replicate what he thinks Kingpin's voice sounds like. Cause in Daredevil, he doesn't have like this force. Cause like, I know that actor, I know his voice doesn't sound like that. And it, but it just, it takes me out of the series, just him trying to have like this super corny voice. Um, so that was just a little bit irritating to me. Um, I do wish, I mean, I already talked about like being able to see, um, you know, especially around the holidays and, you know, they try to end the series to be good. Super, like the fact that there was no sort of person in the audience, I think was like something that was a little irritating. And then last- have had Yelena in the audience because yeah. again, we never see what happens to her. She just exactly. kind of leaves. Have her be in the audience, like shaking her head, like this is so dumb or exactly. whatever. Right. Yeah. Something like that. So we saw where she spent her Christmas, you know, it could be something like that. And then that was my last thing, like not being able to see Elena spend Christmas with Clint's family yeah. and Lucky. That would have been nice. Or just to see kind of like, kind of bring everybody together. And I think that would have been more feasible if they would have let, you know, Clint and Elena solve their stuff a lot earlier. Yes. I was going to say, I think the fact that they had it happen at the very end of the episode, that it's too soon. I feel like in the yeah. head canon, you could say that Clint, you know, picked her up and said, come over to my place for Christmas. And she would have said, it's too soon. And I'd been like, okay, that's fair. So maybe next year they'll all celebrate together and in season two. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, cool. Awesome. So then let's, let's go over the things that we loved. Uh, what, uh, let's see, I'm going to, you feel free to start. I'm going to look through mine and cross out some of the ones we've already talked about. Yeah, a lot of mine I guess already talked about. Um, so I would say, um, I'll just start by saying the fight with Kazi and Maya, I thought was really uh, powerful. Yeah. And I think a lot of people critique, they're like, oh, she doesn't show enough emotion or things like that. But I think this was, I thought she showed a lot of emotion and like, just kind of like, I feel like a whole series can be, I like re recognizing that the person who's supposed to be there to protect you, to be there by your side, you know, turned on you and you have to finally like, you know, come to terms with it. She does that pretty like, <laughs> like within an episode. So I really liked to be able to see like her, kind of recognizing things for what they are rather than her constantly being manipulated yeah. and just being like, yeah, I gotta, you're about to kill me. Let me just off you right now. Um, but I still care about you. I just thought that that was really good. And again, also with the emotional ties with her and Kazi being friends since kid, uh, since they were kids. So that's one of mine. Nice. Yeah. I've got, uh, and this might be it's definitely one like the, one of the top moments for me is when uh, Clint was talking to his very own Nat, uh, Nathaniel, uh, with Kate's help when he doesn't have his hearing aid and they're at the house and you know his son calls and that scene is just so heartbreaking but also like cool yeah. at the same time. It's just was again they took the time to have that where you know she's writing everything and you can barely hear what the kid's saying but sort of make it out and he doesn't know how to respond because he doesn't know when he's talking and uh, it's just amazing yeah that was on my list too 
I I started crying. That was I got emotional too. Yeah. That was a really, really great scene. Um my next one was uh Clint and Kate using the trick arrow. So not when they were making them, but when they were actually using them on that bridge fight. Oh yeah. The track suits. And I mean that Hank, the Hank Pym arrow. Ah, oh, so cool. And so oh, yeah. I really enjoyed that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're not going to bust a 76 Challenger. Come on. <laughs> right. I can't hear you. You drive. <laughs> that that whole scene, everything in there played better than the preview too, which I was happy about because they showed a lot of that in that uh, Disney Plus Day uh, premiere. But yeah, that was a great one. That actually is one of mine as well. Uh, was the, where is it? The car chase. Yeah, warehouse escape car chase. Basically, again, everything that's in episode three. You got the car chase scene, you got the echo entrance, you've got him talking to his son. Uh, and you also have uh, the, so I'll, I'll share this one, which is the conversation between the two of them on the subway, which will never make me not laugh. When she goes, we gotta walk the dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, he's been cooped up all day. And she, he says, you're not wrong. <laughs> calling yourself one of the world's greatest archers. Oh no, you really think that? we should walk the dog he's been cooped up all day this was so funny uh and you could tell too you can tell very very slightly that she's like about to crack a laugh in that like she looks she's like and I, I mean i would be in real life too so like maybe that's part of the act of like how can you not laugh at that that he's like literally five seconds behind her and i love too that he's acknowledging that she's an amazing archer so it's just it was a scene that accomplished so much with so little right yeah like her him giving that credit it was it was really good yeah uh, oh so next one that i had was the holiday montage so yes, when she decides to basically she feels bad that clint you know sacrificed all this for her not being with his family bought the tree able to decorate make cookies and then like he taught her how to I was at a cuffling or something like that. Well, flick a coin. Yeah, flicking that coin. So I thought that that was a great scene. Very another highlight and why episode three was so amazing because that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, that was on mine uh, as was, or I said Kate interacting with everyone. I, I had that on there. And then I had Yelena's hair as another one. Um, Christmas festivities. Okay, I said Yelena's five years backstory. Love that. Yes. Um, I've got Girls Night on there as a favorite scene as well. Fantastic character development. So I guess last, uh, I got, yeah. Oh no, you, you didn't say Final Fight team up. I loved the, um, that along with the Home Alone arrow montage. I just yes. loved them making all of the arrows and the music felt very Home alone and and obviously them creating traps. Uh, but then them getting to actually use all of them was just so good. And every arrow was just perfect, made total sense. Um, so that whole entire final fight was amazing. Um, and then the last one that I had was Clint at the Avengers Memorial uh, mm. when he's talking to Natasha and says, the Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to yabba dabba do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, leaves real quick. But yeah, that was, that was great. Did you have any others? Well, other other ones I've already mentioned, but actually seeing the right, like Clint in the audience for Rogers the Musical, I thought that was a great scene. Yeah. Kind of just kind of having a little bit of that 
panic and kind of PTSD seeing Nad on stage, but also just thinking it's really good, honestly seeing how the public is now, you know, memorializing the Battle of New York and like how it's to the point where they're making art out of it. So, and just seeing how like New York residents are now like interfacing with Avengers. Um, I thought that was really great. So, yeah. The last one. Nice. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. The, uh, cause you see that in the comics all the time where they're like, quit screwing with our city. Like all you do is break our windows. And in the beginning of, uh, you know, these movies, you don't really get that at all, but now you're starting to see the, uh, citizen interaction with these heroes, which is just perfect. It's, it's a great trajectory for the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Awesome. So next up is what's next for the MCU. So I'm not talking about show wise. I'm just talking about any guesses or speculation based off of this show. Obviously Echo is riding off into the sunset to her own series, which I would guess my money would be on if mo- any, any of these characters come back, I would think it would be in this series. So Kingpin, uh, Kazi, maybe the tracksuits. I don't know if Yelena or uh, Kate would come back if she's just kind of going somewhere else on her own and they're not bothering to chase her. But I could see that. I Honestly, though, I don't know where Kate and Yelena would show up next, though, because we're in a weird spot right now where obviously we've all speculated about Yelena being part of or leading the Thunderbolts or something like that. But then how do you factor Kate in? Because she makes more sense being a young Avenger. So are they like, it's just, it seems like there's a lot of different ways that it could go. Right. And it's same with Clint too. Is he retired now fully? What's the deal? We know the deal with his wife. That's actually, we didn't even talk about that, about Laura, Laura Barton, AKA um, agent 19. I won't, I won't. Look, I know Agent 19 is Mockingbird. I'm just very sore that they didn't pull in Adrian Pilecki from, um, or Padalecki from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, but it makes sense, I guess. So that means there isn't really going to be a Mockingbird in the MCU because apparently she was already Mockingbird in the past. And Marvel, if you're listening, I don't need a Mockingbird backstory six-issue Disney Plus series. We've got a lot of other things to focus mm-hmm. on. But that's kind of what I got. Um, any, any thoughts from you? Anything you saw? Yeah, that's a good point, because I, I think I'm kind of outside of the Echo series and trying to figure out where other things play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kingpin and more of like the other grounded um, like series. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I know Miss Marvel's in Jersey, so New York is closed. But again, I can't really think of them. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see Kingpin outside of just Echo at least I hope so to kind of like make him be a little bit more intimidating and have a more inf- like influential operation in New York. Yeah. Um, and also seeing like who bought that building and, you know, the, the Stark building, Stark tower, Avengers tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it's him. Um, you think but- a man working down in a bodega that has, bead lights coming down from the archway is going to buy a giant avengers tower i mean if you're quote unquote the king of new york or i guess so if this is your city they owe you that building yeah maybe who knows i i really wish it was someone else i hope it's the fantastic four that's that's what my that's been the baxter building which makes sense because i i saw i don't remember who mentioned it but the only mentions of them selling the avengers tower 
and ta- all of that is only takes place in the spider-man movies yeah and john watts is the director of those movies Ooh. and he's also directing fantastic four so right. maybe that's what it is because i mean no way well we won't talk about no way home but you know he taught you they, they do the whole selling and in homecoming and there maybe was something about it in far from home but um i don't know but yeah no that's that's a good point um because yeah you would have he's it he's supposed to be someone connected all over the place so it would make sense yeah. for him to show up and maybe he maybe he shows up in the spider-man animated show maybe that yeah. was one of the first people that he went up against when he first became spider-man maybe oh. put him as an animated character use the animation from spider-verse but the voice yeah, of to make him- <laughs> yeah make him a real big boy that would be that would be great uh, but yeah, you're right. I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe Armor Wars, maybe Secret Invasion. But other than that, I kind of like that because yeah. the whole Yelena thing in here was spoiled before the show even came out that she was part mm-hmm. of the cast. And it was cool to see, but I'm just, we're in that time period now where we're what, 30, almost 30 projects in. I'm tired of being told what's coming. Like I, I'm ready to be surprised about all of these things. So if they don't share anything and they pop up randomly, that's going to get a scream from my, uh, my house seat or my theater seat. Right. And I can't help but feel like with Kate, I would like to see her in another team up. I mean, it would be good to see her by herself, but like, yeah. we, we know like a movie like the Marvels and it's like women for basically three different generations teaming up together. I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to see Kate and like another, I don't know if it's a her and Elena team up Disney plus series or what, it, what is it? But I would like, I guess I have no expectations and like I'm happy and not knowing, but to see her in a team, another team up in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Any, any chance we can get of her interacting with people is uh, great. Also, she had some great outfits in this show too. I loved like yes. the baggy sweaters. She had that one really cool one. She, her great Christmas sweater. Yes. Black, yeah. Her black dress. Also her black tux was awesome in the beginning. I loved that. Um, mm-hmm. There was, it was like some sort of long cardigan that she was wearing at one point that was like, while she was lounging. And I was like, this is like, she, she knows her stuff. She knows how to, I'll say this, maybe not as fashionable, but she knows how to stay comfortable. Yeah, for sure. She's, she's got that fit going for sure. Uh, okay, cool. So that, that wraps up Hawkeye, but that does, does that, we need to wrap up all of 2021, Maya. We need to, we need to talk about this. So um, as this is going to be the last episode of comics and cinema for 2021, we wanted to share with you our rankings of the MCU for 2021. So this is both movies and shows. Uh, and I will say again that this was very, very difficult. And I will also express too for both of us that we reserve the right to change this at any point in time. Should we rewatch it and have maybe I rewatch Hawkeye again and everything that Yelena does is absolutely incredible. And I have a new found, you know, love for that. Uh, but who knows? So we would like to reserve that right. But as of right now, Maya, what is your number nine of uh, projects this year from the MCU? So number nine is, I hate to say this, but it's Black Widow. Me too. Really? But but here, and here's what I'll point out with this list too. I don't know if it's the same for you. I have Black, I gave Black Widow a seven out of 10. 
So even Black Widow down at the bottom of this list, it was still a good movie. I still really liked it. It just definitely had the most issues and annoyances of all of these other films, but I still really enjoy it. Like I love thinking back on it. And I just, I don't remember who I was. I was talking with a coworker today and they were like, yeah, I watched Black Widow recently and it was brutal. And I was like, I know like the fights in that, the soundtrack is incredible. The score, uh, there's a lot to love about it, but yeah, bottom of the list. Yeah. It just is, it is what it is. I feel like it, just with the nature of that character and when they put out this movie, it would have been better, you know, they when should've. she was alive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they should've, it should have come out in 2017. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, cool. What's number eight? So, and, and like you said, even by having this down here, it's something that I actually rewatch often and that is what if. Me too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my number eight. Yeah, What If is really great. Um, I mean, I love Vision, so kind of like just seeing him. Well, I'm, I'm talking about how much I like it. I put it number eight, but I really like the series. And granted, I only have it down because there are some episodes that I'm just like, okay, you know, yeah. the stakes are not very high, but I really love kind of like that last episode in the T'Challa Star Wars. But since, you know, every episode kind of had its own little thing that some of them I didn't like as much had to put it down there yep that's the only thing that prevented it from being one spot higher for me as well was there were just a couple episodes that weren't as great but overall again as of now i loved all of these things that we're about to you know share in this list so no disrespect we just got we're being forced to put it into an order by no one except ourselves and that's just the way that it is so yes Mm -hmm. uh what do you have as number seven Number seven is Eternals. Ooh, okay, okay. And that's a movie I really enjoyed. I So first, loved it. Second time, didn't like it as much. And I can't wait for it's on Disney Plus again uh, so I can see it. But I mean, and then after reflecting, I'm like, oh, there's so much I like about the movie. But I couldn't rank it higher than the other other series that we in movies that we got. So yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mine is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm. is my number seven. Which again, we're still we're still in the eights categories at this point. It's a great show. Absolutely mm. loved it. Uh, tons of awesome action. Uh, but comparatively to some of these others coming up on the list, it just you know th- it's a very straightforward show, and the moments that we get are so great in it. Uh, but there's a lot of it that's a little slow in some spots. And, uh, but again, if I rewatched it, I'm going to be like, I love this show. Like, that's the best part about all this. And I feel like we have to keep saying that is like, we love all these shows. Like these shows are great, but that that's my number seven. Uh, all right. What do you got for six? This is tough. This, this was really hard for me because I had to literally think about just shows that I can, I guess it's like, you know, if I rewatch it more, you know, more of the episodes I like, but I did put WandaVision down next. I know it's so low because it's really hard for me though, because I feel like every single episode of WandaVision was amazing and I really enjoyed it, but kind of just, I, I don't know. I feel like some of the prop, like I couldn't place it higher than some others. Yeah. Hey, that's how it goes. Yeah, it's hard for me to explain, but yeah, WandaVision absolutely adored it, but it's in that sixth spot. Yeah, uh, for me, it was Hawkeye. Really? Uh, which again, completely adored it, and I was struggling between it and the next one, but mm-hmm. I think that the reason that I have my, my number five and number five is because 
the finale of Hawkeye was not as good as the rest of the show. And oh, I, I, I want to switch. That's that's I feel like it's very fair placement. Yeah, and that's why I was just like, you know, again, when you look at all of these shows, it seems like most people's opinions, and it's not necessarily the same for this one, but for all the others, the best episode is the second to the last episode. Like mm-hmm. there's always some sort of finale issue. And it's not even really that big of an issue. It's just that I think there's expectations and whatnot but Hawkeye definitely delivered but just didn't deliver the same way that the ones above it did with the finale mm-hmm. um, so speaking of which number five what do you got um so number five I have Hawkeye okay and I ended up because I remember we put this all in the discord but I switched it a little bit because I was having a hard time choosing between Hawkeye and Falcon and the Winter Soldier but uh, yeah Hawkeye now in retrospect, I kind of want to switch Hawkeye and One Division, but for the sake of so I'll keep it. Um, but I still really enjoyed it. Like only thing a knock against it is the finale. So yeah, uh, yeah. My number five is Loki. Uh, okay. So like I like I said, uh, the ending to Loki was just so good, and still I would argue the second to last episode is my favorite of all of the episodes. But that show is just it was so much more than I was expecting it to be. And it delivered in so many different ways. And like we were saying earlier in this, you know, Hawkeye is your classic, you know, street level show. Loki is so expansive and brings up so many questions, so many possibilities. And I love it for that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, I mean, I love Loki maybe a little bit more than you, but- <laughs> Um, next I had Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, adored. I felt like that show just like, there was so many things that it touched on. Like the truth episode was like still like one of my favorite of all, like probably episodes ever. Um, and I just felt like I had a really strong personal connection to the show. So I just re rewatched the whole series just willy nilly a few days ago. And I'm like, wow, this, this, you know, is really good. And to the point where I'm able, it's so good that I'm able to look over some of the very annoying things around Sharon, around the Flag Smashers, and some of the other things that I felt like were more, I guess, in my face when I was watching it for the first time. Um, but I, it was really good on a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, the thing, too, is it's like, I, f- I feel like with all of these shows, we have a different opinion when we're watching it week to week versus watching it all at once. And so that's the other thing I'm really interested in, and specifically for like WandaVision. I have not watched WandaVision since, you know, we did like, a, I did a big rewatch of it after it came out and I haven't touched it since. And so I'm really excited to rewatch that because I haven't seen it in so long to see what I catch, what I, it's just, the rewatching is like part of the fun, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, that was your number four? Yeah. That was your number five. Okay, okay. Number four for me, is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So that's, we are now jumping. Well, Loki was a nine. I give Loki a nine. I give Shang-Chi a nine as well. The rest of these, except one, are nines. Uh, This movie was just so good. I mean, we're getting into the spot where I struggled doing this ranking and I hate rankings because of this, because one day I love Shang-Chi, one day I love something else more. And this just had some of the best action sequences I've ever seen. I loved all of the cultural aspects of it around Chinese culture was so cool. 
Uh, you've got a really interesting villain, uh, a very interesting sister, and uh, Simulu just absolutely killed it. That bus fight scene is like one of the best fights ever. Uh, mm. With the soundtrack as well is one of my is in my uh, top. I think it's my number two actually. I think I've got the picture here. I need to show you this by the way for my uh, my uh, albums of the year for 2021. Uh, and Shang Chi's album is number two on that list because it's an entirely original album. Every song was a banger. It felt like, uh, and just was really cool. So yeah, that was my uh, that's my number four. Nice. Um, my number three is uh, Shang Chi. Nice. Loved it. Same same reasons you did, and just I'm so excited to see these characters wherever they show up next. So yeah, me too. Oh man, Shang Chi I mean, too. Didn't they get? Didn't it, get? Or no, Daniel just. He's, okay. he's coming back to direct the second movie. And so they have confirmed that there will be a second movie, which is fantastic. And then he's also doing a Disney Plus series, right? Yep. No yep. idea what it's about. Someone said something about it being a comedy, but either way, that's cool. He's a great director. So I'm glad we're going to get him for some more stuff. For sure. Uh, my number three is WandaVision. So uh, the only show to beat out well, <laughs> to beat out the movies, Black Widow's at the very bottom of this list. But uh, but yes, I did put it above Shang-Chi because I feel like for me, at least, WandaVision was a, it was a culmination of so many different things, like beyond the scope of its show, which the fact that they do a different decade of TV for every episode, you've got the black and white, you've got the, the Malcolm in the Middle call out, the modern, like all of these shows that I grew up watching, and to also have Monica Rambeau in it and to have just so many different moving parts in it. Beyond that, being the first Disney Plus series, uh, which is incredible and was like the coolest thing ever back when they announced that we're doing series for Disney Plus was like, this is so cool. And then just the, the, the concept of the show itself of wanting this, this, uh, these characters that we don't see as much of, Wanda, Vision, Sam, Bucky, uh, Hawkeye, Loki, and just getting such great stories for them. But to have this story combined in such a way from the comics as to not only get the Scarlet Witch creating kids, but also to get the Tom King's vision run of vision wanting to have a suburban family as well. There's just so much about this show that just hit at the exact right time for me. Uh, and that's why I put it just a bit above Shang-Chi. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I just, there's not enough good thing. And then Agatha, of course, we can't forget about Agatha. So um, yeah. yeah, that was my number three. For sure. Um, I'm definitely going to be doing a WandaVision rewatch after this because I think, you know, since so much time has passed and I just know I revisit it, I'm going to have a newfound appreciation for it for sure. Yeah. Um, so my, this is my number two. Mm -hmm. It's Loki. Nice. Okay, cool. The, Number one, or sorry, number two, <laughs> number one Disney Plus series. I love it. I mean, blew my expectations out the water. The whole idea of like, I was really nervous about like the whole timeline. Now we have like different timelines and the multiverses. I'm like, I'm, am I, am I going to be so confused by this? And it ended up being so great. We saw an amazing story. It was so unique. And like you said, like, I remember I, I started watching Rick and Morty after watching um, Loki, because after you mentioned- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. After the Council of Ricks. So, um, so, I mean, that was able to, like, appreciate from that lens as well. 
I mean, I just adore the show. I thought every episode was amazing. So number two spot right there. Yep. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm with you on all of those things uh, as well. And that's why I hate these rankings. But okay, my number two is Eternals. Uh, Eternals was a uh, lightning in a bottle moment as well. Uh, not only do you have a movie that introduces 10 new characters that all get a little bit of screen time, but just the diversity of all of those characters as well, the, the amazing stories they all got. We get Makari, who's now one of my favorite characters, and, and multiple others as well. Uh, but also just the fact that Chloe Zhao was the one who made it, and it's I'm obsessed with Terrence Malick, and I'm obsessed with Chloe, but you can just sense that. Like, so that was another one where I've grown up, not really grown up, but like I've watched a lot of those Terrence Malick films like Tree of Life and Days of Heaven and, and Thin Red Line and all of that stuff, Badlands. And uh, to see a movie like that, that's a Marvel movie, and to have it be about the scope that Chloe can do in that same vein of like Nomadland and The Rider to make it feel so real, uh, but also at the same time so magical was just it. Like I said, is lightning in a bottle. I don't think I don't know if they're planning a sequel. I, I think I heard them say they're not too eager to do one, but maybe they will be after whatever. I don't know. I just know that that movie is incredibly special and uh, very grateful that it exists. Um, but oh, oh, jeez, uh, uh, Maya, what uh, what's your number one, Maya? <laughs> well, I just want to say, like for Eternals, I agree. Being a like lightning in a bottle. I just wish it was a Disney Plus series to give us more on each character, but it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late to delete the movie from existence (laughs) and not put any physical copies out and just edit it into like a Snyder cut type of thing. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm all for that. (laughs) Or just like something later, you know, so we can explore more of the characters um, in like a more extended way. But yeah, I definitely see why that's your number two. Um, and then so, I, Maya, what's what's our number one movie? Uh, or, or number, <laughs> we know it. It's a movie. Number one for both of us, I think, is Spider Man No Way Home. Yep. Ten Without out of ten. Love that movie. Uh, stay tuned, comics and cinema fans, for when my uh, do the uh, our top movies of the year uh, in the next coming you know weeks or so. Uh, see if this movie ends up beating out my current number one of Dune. Uh, those are the only two 10 out of 10s that I've given this year. And really? it's it just feels good to do it. Because again, Endgame came out and it was like, what can top this? Like, what could even get close to this? Right. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, this movie can get close to this. This movie is like a version of, it's another Endgame. It's like Endgame light. Mm-hmm. And it just, ugh, there's just so much to love about it. It's And it's sad because it's like, ah, oh, you know, is it recency bias? <laughs> It's yeah. not. Trust me, it's not. It's not. It's only going to get better with time. Yeah, it's definitely not. This is definitely the type of thing where I'm like, yeah, this is like a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah, <laughs> like, for real. It really I is. equate this from like, I don't know, if I were to ever go like skydiving or something like one of those types of experience. So special. So I remember you said Dune was number one of the year. Mine was Suicide Squad because I oh, love nice. Suicide Squad. And then this, I mean, like blew it out the water for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. So yeah, that's cool. I'm glad we had so many similarities, but we also had a couple of variations there, which I hope for those of you listening, making your own list, that that's kind of how it is. Like, I love that certain there's, there's a series for everybody. There's a, there's a movie for everyone. Everyone's got something that resonates a little bit differently with them. 
And that makes, that's what makes us all unique. So that's, what's so cool about it that, you know, we can like all, we can all like the same things or have nitpicks about certain bits of things we like. And, uh, but yet we can all still be civil with each other and all love the same things. So very cool. Maya, any last words on Hawkeye and on the MCU in general for this year of 2021? It, I would just say that it has been quite the year. Like the, this year was a gift for sure. And the Marvel content that we got, and we always talked about like, are we going to get tired of it? And, you know, we may not be watching every episode a thousand times like we did for WandaVision when it came out. <laughs> but I do think like there's an awareness around just like all that we're getting and just having a really deep appreciation for all the new content. Um, and I mean, thankfully, too, we're both tapped, very tapped into like fandom communities where we're able to discuss and dissect consistent basis. But I'm like, if this is where Marvel's like first year in terms of putting out this amount of content, I can't I can't imagine what next year is going to bring. So I'm so no. excited. Yeah, very well said. Uh, I don't think anything even more needs to be said that it is a great time to be a Marvel fan. It's a great time to be a movie fan, a streaming fan. Uh, I mean, when you even think about it, it's like I'm still riding high off of that founders uh, payment of I paid three years in advance for Disney Plus. Yes. Even paying that yearly amount like Book of Boba Fett is out already. And like we're getting you just like it's such a good deal to get Disney Plus. And that's why I think they need to pay me to continue to say that because. Uh, you, you know what I mean, Disney, you know what I mean. But yes, Maya, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, this was an absolute blast talking about this show. Uh, and it was, I, we didn't even really mention it, but like, what a perfect Christmas property too. For the, for the time of the year, for it to come out the way that it did, it had all of the holiday vibes that Iron Man 3 didn't. And um, it just, it's, it's a great time to be a fan. So thank you again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, always a pleasure. Yes. Thanks, Alex. Again, can't wait for whatever topic we discuss next. Yeah, me too. And for all of us here, as you guys uh, await for what those topics are, we'll be back uh, next year. Uh, this recording is on the, the 30th. So uh, I'll be taking a day off before I start planning. What, but I do have a bunch of plans. So we'll be uh, going over that in the, the weeks and months to come. But for me, I'm Alex, your host for Comics and Cinema. Uh, we will see you next year at the movies. Thank you.